How's everybody this morning? Everybody doing good? Yeah? Has anybody noticed something different about our stage? The holes are gone. Hallelujah. (laughs) We are in the process of uh, patching the holes and getting the stage looking normal, hopefully here in a uh, a few few weeks, and uh, we'll have it all completed, and uh, we're going to put new carpet down, and uh, so uh, the stage will look completely different, and and uh, we'll you'll see some the background will look a little different, but everything takes a process, it takes time, but we are uh, the holes are gone, and we can say hallelujah to that, Amen. Bless and you, my so, brother. <laughs> Love you. Love you too, buddy. Can't you're still on? Yeah. You're off now. <laughs> Kent wants to preach, so we'll let him preach. This. <laughs> oh, I love it. Hey, I'm telling you, sometimes it's hard to tell whether you're on or off or in between. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so uh, I, I feel you, man. <laughs> but it's going good. Things are going good around here. I, you know, even with the bad weather we had, we still were able to bless some families with some groceries uh, yesterday, I think we gave out like 40 bags or something like that. If you or someone you know needs a bag, we have several bags left. We've put some out, but that's not all we have. We still have some bags in the back. We can uh, get you one. If you know somebody or you need one, we want to make sure that everybody uh, gets a bag that needs one. So just let us know. You can see uh, David Lawson after service, or you can see myself. Either one of us can help you uh, get a bag of groceries. Um, you know, last week we looked at the verse where Jesus likened the kingdom to a fishing net. Y'all remember that? You know, there are all types of people in this net. And one day there's going to be a great separation where God is going to separate those that have followed Christ and those that happened. And I told you last week that it is our job to participate in the spreading of the kingdom net, the gospel of Christ, as it gathers up as many as possible. And God is going to do his part. Amen? Amen. God is, he's always faithful to his word. He, he never, he never, um, he never does not fulfill his promises. He always fulfills his promises. And he wants all of us to be a part of the process, but it starts with a divine invitation. And today I want to look at what that invitation looks like. If you have your Bibles, Go with me to the book of Mark. And I want to read from chapter 1, and I want to begin at verse 16. Mark chapter 1, beginning at verse 16. Mark chapter 1, verse 16. It says, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, He called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men, and he and followed him. So, 
You know, verse 16 is setting up this story for us. In all reality, the Sea of Galilee is basically a large lake. It is 650 feet below sea level. It's about 150 feet deep, and it is surrounded by hills. Fishing was the main industry for the approximately 30 towns that surrounded the Sea of Galilee during Jesus' day. The word beside means alongside. Some translations use the word by, which means alongside. Uh, Jesus was walking on the beach. He, he knew the fishermen for whom he was searching would be in this location. And Simon and Andrew were using a common method of fishing. They were fishing with nets, and it was a circular net about 10 to 15 uh, feet in diameter, diameter, and they would cast this net into the sea, and then they would drag it up, and, and the catch was hoisted into the boat. The method they were using was like gathering or harvesting. And these men, they were strong and very busy as most of the fishermen were. And if you look at the Gospels, you'll see that this was not the first time that the two brothers had met Jesus. If you look in John's Gospel, we read that Andrew had been a disciple of John the Baptist who, when introduced to the Lamb of God, He turned and he started following Jesus. Andrew would then bring his brother Simon to Jesus. And it is is at this moment in in, uh, John chapter 1, 42 that Jesus says, uh, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will, uh, you will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. So it's at this moment that, they've, that Jesus has already uh, changed Peter's name. Uh, he's, he's called him Peter at this point. And, and so he knew that there, Jesus knew that there was something special about these men. And, and you see, these men, they understood and they believed who Jesus was. They knew there was something different about Jesus. And so when Jesus arrived on the shore that day to change their lives forever, Jesus would give them 11 life-changing words that day, and those words are found in verse 17. Let me give you to them real quick. The first word is come. Before Jesus can do anything in your life, you must begin to move in his direction. The word of the Christian life involves coming to him, culminating in that great day when you will live with him forever. The second word is follow. When you start following Jesus, you do not know where you will go. But one thing is for sure, you will go with him. And it's better to go with him than anyone else. Amen? The third word is me. Jesus does not call you to follow an an ethical system, a religious ideal, or a code of restrictions. His invitation is personal. Amen? It calls for exclusivity. Follow him and no other. The fourth word is and. Jesus has more in mind for you than just being a follower. The and connects you to a larger meaning of your existence. Without the and, you are only responsible to follow. But he has bigger plans for you than you have for yourself. Amen? God has something great for us. Number The fifth word is I. Jesus proposes to take charge of your life. 
All of us have family and we all have friends who influence us, but Jesus brings deep change, amen? And we know Simon and Andrew because they were known first to Jesus. He revolutionized their lives as he also seeks to revolutionize your life, amen? And then the sixth word is will. Jesus does not say may. Listen to that. He doesn't ask you. He's giving a, he says, I will. He's he's not saying, I might do it. I possibly could do it. No, he's saying, I will do it. Jesus does not say may. There's no uncertainty in his voice. You can rely on his ability to transform you. And then the seventh is, is make. From the Gospels, it is clear that the making didn't happen all at once. He may uh, may have to demolish some stuff in your life in order to make room for his splendid purposes, but you will love the makeover of his finished work in you. Anybody ever used to watch those makeover programs like there used to be, what was it, the home makeover uh, where they'd go basically demolish a house and build a new one basically is what they were doing. They might keep the bones, but that was pretty much it. And, uh, you know, and they would make it over, and it was, it was something completely and con- totally different, right? I mean, it was just this complete transformation. Can you imagine? That's what God wants to do with us. No matter what our past looked like, no matter what the things that we've done in our past, no matter what yesterday even looked like, today God has something new in store for you, and we need to take it and understand that he wants to make you new. He wants to do some things in your life that you've never experienced before. He wants to come in and transform your life. The eighth word is you. That means you specifically. His call is not generic, amen? It's a personal call. He knows your name and what you are doing with your life, just as he knew the names and occupations of his first disciples. Number nine is fishers. Simon and Andrew by trade fished, and that's the only natural ability ever noted of them. Now, you probably are not a fisher, but you have some interests, some talents, and Jesus will build on what you offer him. And then the 10th and 11th word is of men. Is wealth your goal? Then accumulate things. Is being smart your goal? Then gather facts. Is fame what you seek? Then find whatever brings you attention. But Jesus offers something far better than wealth, smartness, or fame. He calls you to people. Amen. Those 11 words in the English text of Mark's gospel, they changed the destiny of Simon and Andrew. They dropped everything at once and they followed Jesus. Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. 11 words that changed their life and they will change your life as well. Amen? But our story, you see, it doesn't stop there, does it? Our story, that's... That's a good sermon in itself. We could stop. We could end right there at verse 17 and not even move on. But you see, it doesn't stop. Why? Because Jesus wasn't done. He wasn't finished. He had to move on down the shore. And we see, look at verse 18 again. It says, at once they they left their nets and followed him. Talking about Simon and Andrew. They left it all right there. They knew that the judgment was coming. They had to respond at once. Their lives had changed. Their allegiance was now to their teacher. And every great person has 
Uh, This is what William A. Ward says. He says, every great person has first learned how to obey, whom to obey, and when to obey. But Jesus wasn't done yet. He had more to collect, right? Look at verse 19. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. So here's another pair of brothers, James and John. If you look throughout the Gospels, specifically Luke, Luke tells us in chapter 5 that they were Simon Peter's partners. So you see, these, men's were, these men were sitting in their boat, they're mending their nets. You know, have you ever, I, I've never fished with a net, but if you've ever fished with a net, you know, sometimes those nets get wore out. You know, they get hose in them. So here they were. These, guys were, these guys were commercial fishermen. I mean, they were bringing in the big hauls, you know. This was their job. This was their daily thing, to go and take fish to the market, take them to sell them. I'm sure they probably sold them to cafes that were around, whatever was around, and they would sell them to individuals, however. So you can just imagine every day going out and fishing. It's going to wear and tear on these nets, right? These nets are going to start falling apart. They're going to start coming unravel. And so... Here he was. He was mending, his, mending their nets. James and John were mending their nets. They were taking care of their equipment. They were taking care of their fishing equipment. And then Jesus comes along. Um, Jesus comes along and uh, uh, John had met Jesus at the same time that uh, Andrew did. But we have no record of James previously meeting Jesus. But don't you think that his brother and him were probably pretty close. And so don't you think at some point they'd had a conversation where John probably said something to James. Hey, James, man, there's this guy that I met the other day. He's a pretty cool dude. You know, I'd like for you to meet him someday. He may not have gone into a lot of details. He, he may not have, you know, they, they probably never saw that this was significant enough to put it in the Gospels. But you got to think that if James and John were brothers, that James probably knew about Jesus. He had probably heard John talk about it. He had probably uh, said something to him. And so James and John were ready for the call as well. Look at verse 20. It says, without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Think about that. Jesus had made such a great impression on these men that they left everything behind and they followed without hesitation. They left their family. There was not even a thought. There, there wasn't no, hey, Dad, what do you think about this? Or, hey, Dad, you know, I, I'm, I, 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 we really feel like we need to follow this man. There was none of that. Jesus came by, he said, hey, Come follow me. And what did they do? They left everything behind and they went and followed him because they knew something about Jesus. There's something about this man. There's something great about this man. And they, and they followed without hesitation. You know, the invitation of Christ, it's a simple one. It's not flashy. It's not padded in promises of the good life. And it's definitely not the kind of compelling sales pitch that you'd normally think would elicit the levels of response that we see throughout 
in Jesus' life. The invitation is simple. The invitation is extended to you. Jesus says to you, come, follow me. How many of you have ever had some good news to share? Anybody? I remember, I remember when uh, we, you know, when 17 years, almost 18 years ago, when Maley was born. Well, that was good news. What do you do when a baby is born? You tell everybody, don't you? And then what's the next step? You've got pictures now, right? So, every, hey, you want to see pictures? You know, and you start showing the pictures. Uh, now everybody gets their cell phone out and starts showing pictures. You know, you don't see the pictures. Used to, you'd have to carry pictures with you, and you'd show the pictures, you know. And then, and then what do you do throughout that first year? You get more pictures made. And every time you go get pictures made, what do you got to do? You want to show somebody, hey, they lost their first tooth. Look at this. Or, hey, the first tooth came in. Or, hey, look, they're walking now. Or, hey, they're... And it's just on and on and on and on and on. You know, uh, because why? You have good news that you want to share, and you want to share that good news with everybody. If you've ever had a job promotion, or if you've ever gotten a new job, whatever it is, what do you do? You want to tell people, right? You want to tell them that good news. Why? Because it's good news to you, and it's something that you want to share. It's something that you want everybody to know about. But we share it with anyone who will listen. The gospel means good news. So all of us have good news to share every single day. The gospel is inviting by nature because good news is always worth sharing. Amen? If you look at this, it's, it's a great reminder for us as we, as we spread the kingdom net to others, if we'll share pictures of our kids with strangers on airplanes, right? Then why wouldn't we also share the good news of Christ with them as well? It's so important. We have this good news. It's something that we need to share. It's something that we need to tell. It's something that we need to let people know about, and we can't keep it to ourselves. We have to let it out. But these four men, they knew the urgency of Christ's invitation. In fact, they literally walked off their jobs. And can you imagine... Uh, walking off of your job to answer the call for, of Christ? For some of us, we understand this. We've, we've left our jobs to pursue ministry. I had to make a choice when I, when I became pastor of this church. For the first year, my job worked with me. No problems. Anytime I needed off on Sundays, I, there were sometimes, we were still doing Sunday night services back then, there were sometimes I would go and I'd work you know, two or three hours on Sunday, and then I would leave. After that first year being here, they finally said, we're not going to work with you no more. So I had to make a decision. So what did I do? I came and I talked to my wife, and I said, hey, this is what's happening. I put my two weeks in. <laughs> you what? <laughs> I knew God had called me to something. I knew God was going to provide for me. Was our life easy after that? No. Did we make it? Yes. Was it perfect? No. But I knew that God had placed a calling upon my life, and so I had to leave that old life behind. I had to leave that job, and I had to go and pursue what God was calling me to do. Kelly was able to get a job, and we were able to make it and, and do what God wanted us to do to pursue the ministry that God was calling us 
4. Now, for most of you, this is an example. It's an ideal of what it can look like to exercise immediate faith and obedience. And most of you today have already made a decision to follow Christ, but that's the easy part, amen? Now Jesus is asking you to go a step further. He wants you to drop your nets, he wants you to get out of the boat, and he wants you to find someone else in this kingdom net that needs to know the good news. We can't let there be any delay. We can't let there be any hesitation. The time is now, and we must obey him immediately, and we must tell the good news that Jesus has come to save the person that's far from Jesus and doomed for all eternity. You know, think about it. You may be the only person that they will listen to, so we can't delay. We cannot push this off. We must go immediately. The journey to follow Jesus is the greatest, it's the most amazing, and it's the most challenging journey that any of us will ever take. No one ever said following Jesus would be easy, right? Asking Jesus to be your Savior, that's the easy part. But taking that next step and being a disciple of Jesus, that's the challenge. But Jesus is calling all of us. We can no longer let any moment pass us by. And if we have an opportunity to share Jesus with someone, then we must do that. This morning, I want to I close by telling you a story. The story, the author of it, is, it's anonymous. It's, it's what it told, that's what it said. It said it's anonymous. The story is called, the title of it is, The Parable of the Fishless Fisherman Fellowship. That's a mouthful, isn't it? But I want to read this story to you. He says, They were surrounded by streams and lakes full of hungry fish. They met regularly to discuss the call to fish, the abundance of fish, and the thrill of catching fish. They got excited about fishing. Someone suggested that they needed a philosophy of fishing, so they carefully defined and redefined fishing and the purpose of fishing. They developed fishing strategies and tactics. Then they realized that they had been going at it backwards. They had approached fishing from the point of view of the fishermen and not from the point of view of the fish. How do fish view the world? How does the fisherman appear to the fish? What do fish eat and and when? These are all good things to know. So they began research studies and attended conferences on fishing. Some traveled to faraway places to study different kinds of fish with different habits. Some got doctorates in fishology. But no one had yet gone fishing. So a committee was formed to send out fishermen. As prospective fishing places outnumbered fishermen, the committee needed to determine priorities. A priority list of fishing places was posted on bulletin boards in all of the fellowship halls. But still, no one was fishing. A survey was launched to find out why, and, and most did not answer the survey, from, but, but from those who did, it was discovered that some felt called to study fish, a few to furnish fishing equipment, and several to go around encouraging the fishermen. What with meetings, conferences, and seminars, they just simply didn't have time to fish. 
Now, Jake, he was a newcomer to the Fisherman's Fellowship. And after one stirring meeting of the fellowship, he went fishing and he caught a large fish. So at the next meeting, he told his story and was honored for his catch. He was told that he had a special gift of fishing. He was then scheduled to speak at all the fellowship chapters and tell how he did it. With all the speaking invitations and his election to the board of directors of the Fisherman's Fellowship, Jake no longer had time to go fishing. But soon he began to feel restless and empty. He longed to feel the tug on the line once again. So he cut the speaking, he resigned from the board, and he said to a friend, let's go fishing. They did, just the two of them, and they caught fish. The members of the Fisherman's Fellowship were many. The fish were plentiful, but the fishers were few. You know, we can talk about reaching the lost all we want until we're blue in the face. I mean, we can come up with strategies on how to do it. We can raise money so that we have enough resources to do it. We can go to all the conferences and get all the training we need But at some point, we got to start winning the lost, amen? And it's time to answer the call. We have to stop standing on the sidelines and thinking of ways to do it. We have to take what we know, and we have to go win someone to Jesus. Everyone has a different way to do it. Find the way that works for you and do it, amen? Let's let's get off the sidelines. Let's stop... hanging out at conferences and places, but let's go out there and let's reach the lost. It's as easy as just coming up with a conversation with someone that you may or may not know. How many of you start just random conversations with people? Some of you may. Some of you may not. But somebody may start a conversation with you. And it's funny how we can find ways to turn those conversations around and begin to ask them, where do you go to church? Do you know who Jesus is? Have you ever gave Jesus your life? Can I tell you that the only way that we're going to win the loss is to stop just listening and start doing. At some point, we have to actually physically do it. You know, everybody always always, uh, talks about Peter. I said, well, he didn't have faith enough. He sank right to the bottom. But you ever stop to think Peter was the only one that got out of the boat to begin with? We're going to fail time and time again. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to say some things probably that sound stupid or don't make any sense. But if all we're doing is staying in the boat and we're not getting out, then we're never going to walk on water. We're never going to fulfill the calling that God has placed upon our life. We're never going to reach the person that that we need to reach. We're never going to be able to speak life into somebody that we need to speak life into. You understand what I'm saying? We have to get up and we have to do and not just wait. Can we pray this morning? I want to pray for each of us this morning. I want to pray that God's going to do a work. I want to pray that he stirs something in our heart and in our soul that we can become all that he wants us to become. Amen? Let's pray. God, we just come to you this morning. And we worship you. We thank you for who you are and how wonderful you are.
and how time and time and time again you have saved us, you've loved us, you've cared for us, you want what's best for us. And we have this good news, we have this message that you have been stirring inside of us, this testimony that we have, and it's time that we no longer hold it in for ourselves, but we go and we share it with someone else. We share it with neighbors, we share it with co-workers, we share it with friends, we share it with loved ones, we share it with strangers, maybe even our enemies, because it's the good news, it's the best message out there. And we've got to share that message. We've got to let people know who you are. There's a giant net that is full of people. And we've got to help reach the loss. Reach those that are crying out to do the work that you've called us to do. We, should, we can't stand on the sidelines. We can't sit back anymore. But we have to move forward and be who you've called us to be. We give you praise. We give you glory. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Can we just worship for a moment? Can, I don't know if you've got something specific you want to play, but I just want us just to worship him this morning. Can we just right where we're at, just, just take a moment. Lord, we love you. God, we praise you. Lord, touch our hearts. Touch our lives. God, let there be a fire that's stirring down in our soul, God. That we desire more of you. We want more of you. No hesitation. No waiting. We just want more of you. We want you to, to move in our life in a way that you've never moved before. Move in this church in ways that you've never moved before, Lord. God, that we cry out to you to have your way. We cry out to you to have your way. Hallelujah, Lord. We praise you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Lord God. Hallelujah. We wait for you. Hallelujah. We wait for you. We wait for you. Walk in the room. We wait for you. We wait for you.
your spirit Shekinah glory come Shekinah glory come We wait for you We wait for you Walk in the room, we wait for you. God is good, amen? Amen. amen. Hallelujah. I want to take a moment. <clears throat> I don't ever want to leave a service without giving someone an opportunity to ask Jesus in their heart, whether you're here in service or you're watching us online. Scripture says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that means that you'll be saved. Every sin forgiven, washed away as if it never happened. You know, today you may recognize that you need his grace, you need his forgiveness, you need change. It's not something that we can earn. It's not something that any of us deserve. But it's freely given to us. Amen? Everybody likes receiving a gift. Do we not? We like a gift, and that's what it is. But that might be why you're here today or watching today. It's time to say yes today by faith. Give Jesus your life. And if this is you, can you say this prayer after me? Can we all say this prayer? Can we bow our heads and say, Dear Jesus, I admit that I am a sinner. I confess that I need a Savior. Today I give my heart to you. Come into my life and make me clean. I want to serve you. I give my life to you. I am no longer my own. But I am yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. If you said that prayer, be sure to let us know. This is a, this is a journey that you're on. It's not just a one and done thing, right? I mean, those of you that have been saved and have loved God for a while, you know that this is a journey where you're taking each step. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. But we want to walk with that journey with you and, and, and help you in any way that we can. So thank you this morning. Let us know if that was you. We're going to move into a, another part of our service that I feel is very important. I want to ask our, our ushers will be at the back of the service. Think about something for a minute. Do you know that you're giving is worship to God. You know, many times we think of singing as our time of worship. But if you think about it, every moment in life is an opportunity to live in worship to God, including our giving. In First Chronicles 29, verses 10 through 22, King David and the people have just given an offering to build the temple of God, and what follows is an incredible worship service. If you listen to how David worships God, beginning in verse 13, he says, O oh, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name 
but who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything we have has come from you, and we give you only what you first gave us. We are here for only a moment, visitors and strangers in the land as our ancestors were before us. Our days on earth are like a passing shadow, gone so soon without a trace. O Lord our God, even this material we have gathered to build a temple to honor your holy name comes from you. It all belongs to you. So first, King David acknowledges that everything they have is from God. And without God's generosity to his people, the people would not have the opportunity to be generous back to God. Everything that we have is a direct result of God's generosity to us because he owns it all and our worship, uh, our, our worship response is a life of generosity. Secondly, David acknowledges the shortness of life like a passing shadow. Life is a gift from God and he chooses to use us to build his kingdom. One of the ways he does this is by entrusting us with his wealth not merely for our own use, but to bless others. So this morning, as you give, I encourage you to give with the heart of worship that says to God, all I have is yours, entrusted to me by your grace. So this morning, may we generously give back to God what he has first given to us. And God will bless you as you give this morning. Before we go, I want to give you some quick announcements We have youth tonight at 6, and then if you're uh, not coming on Wednesday nights, let me just say this, you need to make it a point to start coming. We have something for your kids, we're seeing people get healed, we need you to be here. And uh, we start at 7 p.m., we'd love to have you. Also, we just started this last week, every Thursday morning, if you can make it, I understand people work, people have things, but at 8.30 every Thursday morning, we're going to open the doors of the church, and you can come and pray. It's just a come and go. You can pray as long as you want. Is you know, if you want to pray five minutes, pray five minutes. If you want to pray a whole hour, pray a whole hour. But we're opening the doors of the church, and we invite you to come and pray. If you need prayer, people will be here to pray with you. And uh, we we just want to uh, we just want to have a time of prayer and believing that God's going to do some amazing things in the life of our church. Can we stand and pray over this offering? God, I just pray for every individual that's here. God, I pray that as we leave today, God, and as we leave from this place, I pray that we go out and we do what you've asked us to do. That we follow you in making disciples, God. That people are needing a touch from you. People are are needing to, to hear your message. We have the good news that you have given us, and we are to go and share that good news with individuals. Help us to be the church that you've called us to be. Help us to do the things that you want us to do. Help us to go to the places that you want us to go, God. Help us to be who you want us to be. God, we give you praise and we ask that you bless this offering. Bless each and every person that gives either here in the house or they give online. God, I pray that you would bless it and use it to fulfill your kingdom and to do what you've called us to do. We give you all the praise and we give you all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. And amen. Y'all have a wonderful week. We'll see you Wednesday night at 7 o'clock.